0: Hallelujah, Hallelujah! you may be seated. Stretch forth your hand of blessing, Father, this seed that has been sown into the work of this ministry, we ask for thy increase overflow and more than enough, that it might administer to the needs of both the ministry, the congregation. the community into which you have planted us let it be father for the edifying of the body for the establishment of your work in the earth and for the physical needs of this place let them be met by this seed let it grow into a mighty harvest each and every sower father bless them in increase 30 60 100 fold that the word of god would be manifested in their life we thank you In the mighty name of Jesus, for this that has been given, and we receive it by faith that it is enough. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to remind everybody that on this coming Wednesday, the deacons class will continue. So those of you that are uh, working to be deacons remind you to come on out this Wednesday at 7 p.m. And we will move forward with our lessons and instruction. If there is a change to that for any reason, we will communicate that to you prior to your coming here. But as it sits right now, the plan is that the classes will resume on this Wednesday. We know that there are a portion of the church that are uh, traveling. They are on a boat and they're stuck at sea. Uh, they have pulled into a port to port to disembark to catch airline uh, flights back to the mainland and the Governing authorities in those ports have refused to allow them to disembark even though there is no sign or evidence of any sickness present with passengers or crew of that particular ship. So they are making preparations to uh, sail to the mainland which extends their time and We're believing God that he will keep them, he will bless them, that the cruise line is doing everything it can to, to help and to facilitate this change in their plans. We're believing by faith that God will move upon the authorities of the airlines, that seats will be available and adjustments will be made for them to fly back to Ohio when they do port in the United States. These are truly perilous times. But for the believer, they should not come as a shock. For we have been made ready by the word of God that these times were to come. I know that We are dealing with a pandemic in the nation, and depending on uh, how you relate man's information and man's wisdom with that of God will determine your response to the things that we are hearing. As a matter of fact, if you look in varying places, There was a Sam's Club, I believe, somewhere down south, uh, maybe Alabama, where they were showing this group of people that were in shopping. They were just doing regular shopping, as evidenced by the video that was taken. Carts were not overflowing. They didn't seem or appear to be uh, stocking up, just doing regular shopping and they broke out in song, giving praise to God as they stood in line to pay for their groceries. On the flip side, there are videos out of Sam's Clubs, Walmarts, Costcos, and these different stores where people are hoarding and buying everything that they can get their hands on for fear that they're being going to be locked into a place and not have what is necessary, yet their response is abnormal to the current conditions. So that tells you, even as psychologists have already begun to say over the news stations and um, different television broadcasting stations that It is not a response that is commensurate with what is going on, but it is a response that is born of panic and anxiety. Panic and anxiety are evidence or characteristics of fear. As a child of God, we have to understand that we are not given the spirit of fear. my position my belief and I know that there are some that are upset with me because of things that I have said and just remember who I am in the things that you say because what you say even the things you say about me that you think I cannot hear God hears and I am the anointed of God his prophet in the land his apostle to the church So your issue really is not with me, it's going to be with God. So be careful and bridle your tongue, because anytime you start a statement with the phrase, with all due respect, what you're saying is, I have no respect. You may not always agree with what I say, and I've always told you that you may not agree with the things I say. But if I can point to Scripture, then you're not obeying me, you're obeying the Word of God. So when you negate the things I say that are of God, based upon His Word, then your trouble or your uh, frustration isn't with me and what I'm saying is truly with God and what God is saying. And for that I pray for you, that the peace of God be upon you, that the grace of god minister to you and that the things that rule you whatever they may be if they are not of god revelation would come deliverance would come healing would come and joy would be restored Now i know that's caused some people right now just to click me off but that's fine because i didn't come nor was i called to be friends with everybody but to speak the truth. I want to be your friend, but I know that that's not always going to work out because I'm going to say things that cause you to confront yourself. But let it not be thought that my love for you has waned in any way because it has not. Even those that are upset with me and are frustrated and don't like what I'm saying, I still love you. I'm still going to pray for you. And I'm still here for you. I stand with many in the body of Christ that believe God simply because we trust God cannot fail. Whether we contract any disease or sickness, we still believe we are in the hands of a just God. Even if we lay down this life, this natural existence, we still believe that we are in the hands of a just God. I'm not afraid of anything in this life I'm not afraid of anything I'm not saying that I'm not susceptible to natural things that might afflict the body but I'm not afraid of them because my God will either deliver me or he will take me home and I am good with either Now, maybe not everyone has that opinion or position, but Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So I know that whether I'm alive here or alive there, I'm still going to be all right. Also listening to the information that's being released in our society related to this current pandemic, this current crisis in humanity, the mortality rate is low. And we like to act like something is greater than what it is because it feeds the very thing that's trying to control us, which is our fear. But truth be told, the mortality rate is low and the mortality rate is directly connected to those that have underlying health serious health conditions specifically the elderly I believe that we should always take precaution and do the things that are necessary to protect our lives and to extend them as best we can to Live according to things that are just and right, to the information that we have to prolong natural life as long as we can. should be washing our hands and we should be cleanly, you know, cleanly and you know, we should be doing the things that are necessary, but as a society, and doctors will now tell you, we've gone overboard with disinfection strategies. We are getting to the place where we are no longer in union with our environment, but we are an an abnormality to our environment, which is why we're seeing more people get sick with all kinds of different things, because our bodies are not properly adjusting because we keep disinfecting everything, but you can't disinfect everything everywhere you go all the time. So your body now sees things as foreign, Versus just being in concert with them, dealing with them. Think that God did not create the man with a system called an immunity system for no reason. But God created man and gave man a system in his body so that his body could constantly adapt to every changing condition in the environment. But we, in our own wisdom, have made that system not function as it should or as good as it can. But I simply believe in God. I simply trust God. And I stand with my brothers and sisters across this planet that have gathered today to celebrate God, to deliver a word from the Lord, I stand with them in faith and in prayer over the body of Christ, over this world, and all that are dwelling in it, and those that are affected by this pandemic and those that are not, the afflicted and the unafflicted alike. And I call upon God to send His grace to release his healing virtue into the land, that this would not be what people are trying to make it, but that God would yet again demonstrate his power over all things. and The manifestation of that power would be relevant in our current crisis. Amen? Amen. And I believe God heard me. And he responds to the very things which we say. The Bible declares whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven. Some of us, just by the mere behavior we demonstrate, are loosing into our own life the very thing we're afraid of. It's no wonder that the Lord has us speaking about sickness over the last few weeks and how this this series started prior to the knowledge or the declaration that we have a pandemic or that the state or the nation is in a state of emergency. I believe God, as always, knows all things and was preparing us for the season that we are currently in allowing us to see something that maybe those in the world are unable to see because they deny the existence of God himself. But as I move to close this series today, I want to show you something in the Word of God that is directly connected to the pandemic that is going on. Now, the Bible is replete with God through Jesus healing people. It is the direct demonstration and the Bible is very replete with scriptures that identify that healing being born of the person that needed the healings faith. Jesus would say Your faith has made you whole. Your belief in my capacity to heal you has made you whole. Now, if we can believe in the capacity of God to heal us if we're sick, why can we not believe in the capacity of God to protect us from getting sick when after today's sermon you will see... The evidence in God's word that sickness and disease truly is not the portion of the believer. This is going to blow your mind. One of the signs of this current disease and one of the very things, if you looked at the presidential address, yesterday the the briefing that they had they made a statement of something they did prior to everyone entering the room that they were going to be in to make this statement they said we checked everyone's what temperature so you guys ought to be up on the news they checked everyone's temperature because a bright line or one of the things they look for to see if you may or may not be infected with this specific uh, sickness is an elevated temperature or a fever. The bright line now is a temperature above one hundred point four, which is the release of the CDC standard at this time. So if you have a hundred point four, not a hundred and four, but a hundred point four temperature, they look at you a little harder, and they try to isolate you because that is a sign that there may be something else going on. So that is a sign. Just you having a temperature or a fever. Turn with me to the book of Matthew 8, 14 through 17. The book of Matthew, the 8th chapter, the 14th through the 17th verse. And it reads like this. And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand and the fever left her. And she arose and ministered unto them. When the eve was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirit with his word and healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. You may be seated. I find it not strange that this text opens up with the revelation that there is a temperature that is not normal. (laughs) And Jesus comes on the scene and recognizes the abnormality of the temperature or the fever that is in Peter's mother. And the Bible says that he touched her and the fever was gone. You see, in this current time period, because Jesus is in the earth, the Spirit of God or the Holy Ghost that has yet to be released is not present. So Jesus is the right now presence of the Spirit of God in that house. But Jesus, when he left, he said, I leave you not alone, but I send my spirit back. Now, Jesus touches this woman. How many of you are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost? That means you are in constant contact with Jesus. That means Jesus, the hand of Jesus, is always on you. And if he touches this woman and causes the fever to leave, then anything that is abnormal for your body must still obey the touch of God. I'm afraid to tell you to look at your neighbor because now everyone's scared to look at each other and talk to each other. My spit might get on you and infect you with something. So just look up at the ceiling and declare I'm touched. As we examine the text, we see that the word which is translated from the Greek word lambano means to take something in order to carry it away, or in essence, to remove this thing from something. And the word bear from the Greek word bastazo, which is to lift with the purpose of removal. So God's word is showing us that Jesus lifts our sicknesses with the purpose to carry our sicknesses away. The idea is that those in the body of Christ who are now living in their rebirth or in the second birth after the knowledge of Christ now have an assurance or a confidence that we are free from having to suffer from the sickness because we are touched by the Lord I don't have to be sick Jesus didn't merely enter into the fellowship with our suffering but he actually bore them for the sole purpose to take them away we have a problem as humans always trying to take back what has been taken from us sickness and disease Are born of sin. They were brought into this world through sin. It it was not a creative act of God in His creation. The crowning jewel of His creation is man, and it was never God's intention that man would be sick. We were created in perfection, embodied with the life of God. And God is immune from sickness. That means that in man, God breathed not only life, but a immunity to sickness in our first created state. So if God is not sick and God cannot get sick, then those who are created in his image and after his likeness were also created not to get sick. It was never God's intention that you should be sick. This is the first birth. Now, those of us who have accepted Jesus are being processed in the second birth. This work is not yet complete in us, but it is being completed in us now. Look at what God is saying in 1 Peter 2 and 24. It says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were were underlined highlight paraphrase were healed notice the use of this powerful word were because this word is a past tense Word, which means that anything that I'm dealing with now has already been dealt with by God. It's already been dealt with. I'm already healed. And the sickness that I have or may be dealing with has already been carried away. So I can either accept what Jesus declares or hold on to what Jesus took away. If Jesus took my sickness, then I'm going to let him have it. But many of us want to hold on to our sickness because a doctor or somebody says you're sick. Oftentimes in life, because God does things by spoken word, and he declares to you, To cry loud and spare not, you have to learn that you are the God in your situation as God's ambassador in your circumstance and command your circumstance what things are going to be instead of allowing your circumstance to change the condition of your thinking and then you become what you believe you are. When you're dealing with sickness you have to remind yourself that according to the word of god and if i really believe the word of god that the word is true and the word cannot lie then according to the word of god that what i'm dealing with in my body i've already been delivered from i'm not looking for deliverance i have already received deliverance see some of us will believe some of the things that are that are storied in the bible and that's how we look at them as stories in the bible these happenings that took place a long time ago yeah i can believe that those things are true that god uh that through jesus uh, many were sick and made well and uh the blind were made to see the lame were made to walk devils and demons were cast out i can believe all of that way back then when jesus was you know functioning in the earth but somehow To correlate that to our current time, we believe that what once was, maybe isn't so much today. So we can say, yeah, I believe God is a healer, yet we struggle with our own issues because we believe past tense and not present tense. Not even realizing that what he did in the past is in my present. This is the amazing thing about God because God with God, everything is right now. And because everything is right now, that what is present for me is already past for God. But if my faith is in God, then I have to accept and believe what his word says because his word cannot lie. And it declares that you are already healed and your sickness has already been carried away. So we, the body of Christ, should have this confidence that it has already been done in Christ for us. We're not building a work but continuing in the completed work of Jesus. I don't have to be sick because I've already been healed from sickness. In other words, I don't have to accept my condition. I can command my condition to manifest what God has already done. I'm not looking for God to heal me. I'm accepting that God has already healed me. I'm not looking for a vaccine. I'm accepting that God is the vaccine. I'm not looking for medical attention. I'm accepting that God has already released medical attention in my body in such a fashion that he's removed it from me. Now I'll give you a present day example of what I'm talking about. Just the other week, we laid hands on Sister Sherry, who was dealing with, um, what do they call it, The, the, the kidney stones that required surgery. And as we laid hands on her and prayed for her, our prayer was this, God, when the doctors go to perform their surgical process, not only guide and direct them and keep them as they lay hands on your daughter, but father, allow them to not find what they're looking for. I got the report. Yesterday that not only did the surgery go good, but when they went in there to remove the stone, there was no stone to be found because we stood in agreement that God had already carried away. It was already removed, so when man went to go look for, I don't have to be sick. Look at the manner in which Jesus deals with the fever of Peter's mother-in-law. What took place? Jesus saw her, and he touched her. Jesus reached out and touched her hand, and immediately the fever left her body. It had been carried away from her by Jesus. Now, what Jesus was doing in this instance was preempting what he was to do when he would lay his life down on the cross. What was isolated to Peter's mother-in-law was loose to every born again believer because jesus came to heal not just a part of us but to heal all of us once and for all completely remember in 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 the first birth health was natural health was a part of our makeup we weren't adam wasn't in the garden With hand sanitizer. Adam wasn't running around touching a tree to pull a fruit off and then washing his hands. He was born and embodied health. Health was natural and a part of the makeup of who we are. We were eternal before the fall of Adam. Before Adam fell, the idea or the purpose of our creation was to live eternally with God. That means that God's intention was never for anyone to get sick and die. What is death? Death is separation from God. Or as man would say death is separation from life because if you're dead you're not alive so you've been separated from life you got to understand what life is life is God because God said he is life I am the way the truth and the life so death then becomes separation from life which means separation from God because God is life but you and I Who are believers are no longer separated by death, but are born again into life. And the life that we're born into is not susceptible to sickness, but we have a spiritual immunity from sickness so that we might live eternally with God. Now, the physical man, the physical man's purpose is not to live with God eternally because the physical man is carnal. The physical man is enmity against God. The flesh of man is enmity against God. This current state of our being is not going to be with God eternally. We are restricted in our current existence. Yet this existence benefits from the indwelling of life itself. The body benefits because of the power of God that is working in your life. And because of that, your physical body can be removed from the issues of life. We were created in the image of God. We have to understand this. Our life was created and our bodies were formed in the image of God. So death and sickness did not originate from God. They originated with sin and are now being propagated by the devil john 10 and 10 says this the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy watch this i am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly paul says in uh in in the book of act or i'm sorry acts says in in chapter 10 and 38 How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So Jesus calls his disciples together and empowers them to do his will in the earth, which is to reestablish life in creation. The enemy does not want this to happen. So the enemy drives the church. To isolate itself. Because you're the cure. Of the sickness. That is in the world. So the enemy does what he can to remove. The cure when disease is created on purpose. As a. Um, offensive weapon against somebody, whoever creates the, the disease also creates a vaccination or a cure for that disease so that once they put it out, if it gets out of control or if they're ready to stop it, they have the ability to do that. We are the cure for what is going on in the world. And to keep the world sick, the enemy is doing everything in his power to remove or to isolate the cure from the world. Because if the Bible says that if you are sick, it says, call the elders of the church. But if the elders are isolated... then you can't recover from your sickness because the purpose of calling the elders is that the healing virtue of God might be released in your natural life. Now, when there was a disease called leprosy, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where when they laid hands on these people who were forced by culture to identify themselves as unclean, they'd have to come in and say, unclean, 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 so that people could be away from them and not uh, catch them because they were contagious. Yet, this very contagious disease did not infect Those that laid hands on them for them to recover. I believe, and maybe I'm crazy. The vote is out on that. I just might be crazy, certifiable. I might be a nut. Peculiar. I might need to start eating locusts. But I believe that if we are the extension of God in crisis, if we are, what have I taught you? When chaos is in existence, it's because order has not been established. But if we are the order to bring order to chaos, but we are isolated from the chaos, chaos will run rampant. Because there's nothing to bring order to it. Listen. And if chaos has the ability to destroy order, then chaos rules and reigns. So I'm crazy enough to believe that if I'm functioning and operating in what God has declared for me to do, not as a pastor, not as a bishop, not as the chief apologist of this work, but if I'm functioning simply in what God has called me to do as a believer in God, I can lay hands on the sick and watch them recover and not only they recover, but me not become infected by what they have. I'm not afraid because Jesus called his disciples. And who are the disciples of Christ? The Bible says, those that do his word. And when he called them together, he empowered them. This is what the Bible says Matthew 10 and 1. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Let me say that again, because maybe we're we're not getting this. Maybe we we don't even really believe that this is in the Bible. But in the 10th chapter, in the very first verse of the book of Matthew, which is the first book in the New Testament, which is the revelation of Jesus in the earth. It says, and when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out. Then it stops. There's a common, there's a break. So it's saying the thought now is shifting. And it says, and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. That means the ability or the power to heal COVID-19 lays in the hand of God. And the hand of God is applied to the sick through the believer. We are the extension of God in the earth. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, hold on to this passage because I'm going to readdress it in a little bit. Right. But it's necessary to introduce you to um, to what's going on as God begins to de- to begin to, uh, to develop some things within your spirit right now so that when you leave here today, you leave here with a different understanding and lacking the belief that you are susceptible to catch what God has removed from you. He's not removing it. He has already removed it. Now when Jesus touches Peter's mother-in-law, there was communication between him, the word of the creation, and the creation itself. Jesus communicates his power over her condition. When we touch and pray, there is a release of power and an infusion of real assurance and confidence Over whatever is being prayed for. We are assured that we have the petitions that we desire of him. 1 John 5, 14-15 says, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. It goes on to say in Ephesians 3 and 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, watch this, according to the power that worketh in us. The power is in you to work. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16 says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, what was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Even if this natural body becomes infected with what's going on in the world, I still have the confidence that my God has already dealt with what I'm going through. So you don't have to throw a pity party for me. Isaiah 46 and 4, And even to your old age I am he. And even to whore hairs will I carry you. I have made and I will bear, even I will carry and will deliver you. We're running around scared, calling it wisdom, (laughs) being precautious that we don't infect somebody, and that's the problem. God wants you to infect somebody, but not with the sickness that you've conditioned your mind to believe you're susceptible to, but to the faith that you are delivered and healed already from this very thing. I know some people are mad with me. Now we have to begin to understand in the new or the second birth, we have been given power over the enemy, power to raise the dead, power to heal, power to deliver the ability to free people from the bondage of sin and death. We are no longer strangers, But the Bible declares that we are joint heirs with Christ. That means that whatever Christ can do, we are connected to those very things, which means we have the ability to do now what Jesus has already done. When we say this life I now live, I live through the power of the presence of God in me so that I am dead, but Jesus is alive. Why, why do we declare that in baptism what we're saying is, is that the old me has died and the new me came out of the water even as Jesus came out of the grave? And if that is true, then what went in the water was different than what came out of the water because what went in the grave was different than what came out of the grave. So if what came out of the grave, the Bible declares, was crowned with all power, when I came out of the water, guess what? I was crowned with all power. If I have all power, then every power is subject to the power that is in me. That means the power of COVID-19 is subject to the power of Jesus that is dwelling on the inside of me. And I have the authority. I have the God given right to speak against this disease because this disease is an abomination in the eyes of God. It was never intended to become part of the makeup of God's crowning creation, which is man. God intended that no sickness should befall you. Now, this work of redemption is not complete because we're still living in a corruptible body. However, we are no longer void of the knowledge of who we are in him and what we are capable to accomplish in his name so that the glory of God might be revealed in us, watch this, through our faith. Why are you out and about? Because I believe. Now I work a job that even if the ruling authority of the land declares mandatory isolation of all of the population, which the authority can do and we should obey because the Bible declares obey them that have rule over you so if that be the declaration then we should do that and by the means of the current ability to communicate with each other absent the ability to actually go and see and touch each other I believe God will function in and through that so if someone that you're now unable to go communicate with or to touch physically, you can still touch them technologically and transfer into their life, words of wisdom, knowledge, and life. But I work in the capacity where I won't be able to be isolated. I will have to go out to ensure that everybody else is following the rules, but I am not afraid. The Bible says, don't be afraid of the terror. The enemy is terrorizing the human population on the earth with this disease, terrorizing it. And though there is no current vaccine that we are made aware of, even though we know there isn't one that they've told us about, you know, they're working on one. This is no different than H1N1 or any other pandemic that has hit humanity. I'm not disqualifying or discounting those that are affected and have succumbed in their natural life, in their natural body, and it's it's brought death because of other health conditions. I'm not discounting that. But there are a lot of things that kill you. Airplanes fall out the sky all the time. Cars crash and people die all the time. Death by sickness is not unheard of. It happens all the time. People have heart attacks and die from failed operations and all kinds of stuff happen all the time. The judgment of God against Sin is death. Death is present because of sin. But I have already been translated from death into life. So even this natural body that I know has to go away. So that the life is in me can live in complete abundance. I believe. According to the word of God, the scriptures that I have been pointing out to you, that I have the capacity that you have the capacity in you to live as long as you want and die when you cannot help it. This is what God is teaching us. L- l- listen to this. He says, Matthew 10, 1 through 2, and when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, I told you I was going to get back to this, and I'm moving towards my clothes, because I know you're, you're ready to go back to your isolation places. Isolate until you run out of some Cheerios, then you won't f- worry about going to the grocery store to try to find some. You're, you're going to make that sacrifice to get your McDonald's, you know. can't get toilet paper, but you can buy all the soap you want because people (laughs) want to be able to wipe themselves, but they don't want to be clean. (laughs) Matthew 10, 1 through 2, and when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So as we look at this passage, Jesus clearly gives the disciples power and authority power to heal and to cast out demons was given to prove that christ was truly the son of god the gift of the power of god functioning in you is the revelation to the world that jesus is god the apostles were given the same authority and the same power because they were being sent in the name of jesus They were proclaiming Jesus and the message of Jesus to be true. They were proving it by the power that's given to them. We are the continuation of this work in Christ. We are sent out into this world to proclaim the gospel and we are given power to demonstrate the authority that is in the name of Jesus over the things that men might know we are of God. That's why I was not afraid to tell everyone to come to church. That's why I was not afraid. Wisdom is demonstrated in the announcements that I've given you, taking the proper precautions and doing the things that are right concerning the elderly because of the physical condition that we cannot negate. That's the demonstration of wisdom. Luke 10 and 19 behold, what does it say? I give unto you power to what tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Now here's the key and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Do you believe the word of God or don't you? Even if I was to catch this sickness, I know that this sickness is not the end of me because I'm not ready to go. It's just something else that I will have to apply the power that's in me to to bring it under subjection of the one ruling authority that is Jesus. Acts 1 and 8, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The very power of God has been placed in you by the indwelling uh, presence of the gift of God through the Holy Ghost so that you become the witness. How can you be a witness if you never show forth anything? I can declare as recently as just A week or two ago that I laid hands on the sick and that sick person recovered as evidenced by the doctors and the machines that said what was there before my prayer was no longer there for them to remove after my prayer. It has nothing to do with me and everything to do with the demonstration that God is still working in the life of those that believe. The very power of God is still functioning today. Now, this is what Paul says in Ephesians three and 20 now unto him that is able to do exceedingly above all that we ask or think according to that power that is working in us. The problem is as many of us don't want the power to work. We don't want it to work. We hide that power. And I love this text. Second, Timothy one, six through eight. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. Sometimes God lets stuff happen just to stir up his gift in you, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands for God hath not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. You see, the devil doesn't want you to see this truth or accept this truth in your heart. You have power. You ought to look up again and tell your atmosphere, I am touched With the power of God. We have power. And our power is derived from that which is all power. This is our great assurance. We don't face the world alone. We have supernatural authority. Supernatural power backing us. And the very power is present that created us. Is still working in us. You have the power of creation backing you. The power of creation backing you. The power of creation backing you. Supernatural power. The power of God is given to us. It's directed against the devil and evil spirits that have come to control mankind because we are in spiritual warfare. Fought against the evil that possesses the minds and the hearts of men. You see, there is evil false teachings and doctrines or beliefs that are prominent amongst our people. Timothy four and one. Now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. In other words, you'll start believing things that sound good, sound true, sound wise, sound precautionary. You'll start believing those things over. The word of God and don't even realize you're subjecting yourself not to the authority of God but the authority of the devil there is an evil deceptive fleshly behavior that always enslaves man 2nd Timothy 3 1 through 7 this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves covetous boasters proud blasphemers disobedient to parents unthankful unholy without natural affection truce breakers false accusers incontinent fierce despisers of those that are good traitors heady high-minded lovers of pleasures more than lovers of god having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away for this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive Silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. According to the word of God, we have to never forget that we've been given power over all the power of the enemy. We have liberty in Christ. Liberty is freedom. The enemy doesn't have power that's greater than the power that is in us ephesians 6 and 12 for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rules of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places we can never forget that this really at its core is a spiritual fight and we have to fight it with spiritual power not conventional wisdom or the wisdom of man, but through the knowledge we are agents of God with all power given unto us that God might be glorified in us. You are a secret agent of God endowed with the power of the office of God. You are 007. You see, if you're struggling to understand your power, you have to realize that the power that is in you is greater, much greater than the power that is in the world. Romans 8 and 31, what shall we then say to these things? If God be before us, who can be against us? 1 John 4 and 4, ye are of God little children and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world you You have to understand that the Lord gives his power to his laborer if you're lacking the power of God then you need to start to get to work for God because God empowers his laborer Luke 9 and 1 then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure Diseases. He doesn't give you the power to hoard it like toilet paper. He gives you the power to use it against the power of the enemy. And it's not limited power. It's power over all the power of the enemy. Ephesians 1 and 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe keyword believe according to the working of his mighty power? Unto, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to that power that is working in us. You see, the laborer is perfectly secure against all enemies. No spiritual power shall by any means be able to touch the laborer of God. He is secure in the hands of God. Why do you say this? Because the Bible declares in 2 Timothy 4 and 18, And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Genesis 28 and 15 says, And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee where? In all places, whithersoever thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee uh, until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. God is with us. The power of the life of God is with us. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. This is just another enemy that is waiting to be conquered. It's very important that we understand. To activate and walk in the power that God has given us we are not only uh, in need of knowledge of who we are but we must have faith in God for who God is and who God has made us and what God has given us too often we will say we know what the word says but we're still living a life that is not productive of fruit or the results of the very things we say we believe from afar off we seem like like we should be producing because there are some leaves or there is some knowledge but up close we find no fruit at all we must operate without fear and without doubt I made a bold statement when I started preaching this series God was going to heal physical bodies of those who would believe and he was going to work miracles in our midst even the study of this as I reflected back on what I've been saying to you from God the The enemy wanted me to fear that nothing would happen. And then Sherry came along to be a witness that what I'm saying is not only relevant, but it's true and works right now. Sherry, the doctors told you what? Before prayer. In the tube from the kidney to your bladder was lodged a rock. And they say, what would have to happen for that rock to come out of you? They'd have to go up in there and get it. So they scheduled surgery because they did not expect you to pass it. So what did you do? You came to church so that the elders of the church could lay hands on you. Did the elders of the church lay hands on you while you were in pain of your condition? When you went to surgery... And they went up in there to get what they did not believe would pass. Was it there? It was gone. Surgical evidence of the power of God over the created thing. Because we are always witnesses of the power of God over the power of the enemy. I know what God has told me. I know what God says. You see, Mark 11 22 through 23, and Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. god is waiting for you to speak the problem is is you're not speaking the things of god you're speaking the wisdom of man you see faith the first condition of prayer is faith you might as well not pray if you don't have faith in god you ain't doing nothing but wasting your breath if you're praying but you lack faith that's belief that the very thing that you're saying has the capacity to happen. As a matter of fact, I think things don't happen because I have not spoken them yet. So if I want them to happen, I understand I have to first speak them and put the power of my faith behind them that God will manifest the very things that I have spoken so that he can be glorified in me. You see, the object of faith is God himself. The critical words are in God. There are three significant things that you need to understand about the object of faith. Jesus did not say have faith, but he said have faith in God. Faith has to have an object. In God is where one is to have faith. Where one is to place his faith. Faith has no value by itself. Its value is connected to its object. The Bible never says to have faith in faith, yet this is the experience of too many in the body. Too often a great difficulty or problem arises and the believer feels he has to arouse his faith he feels that if he can just stir up enough faith he will whip the problem but in reality he has had faith In faith, his mind, his attention, and his heart have been focused on faith, not on the object of his faith, which is God. I'm not focused on my faith. I'm focused on the object of my faith, which is greater than the object of my fear. Faith has no power of itself, but the object of faith has the power uh, your faith is not going to remove the mountain God is going to remove the mountain the strength of faith is not faith the strength of faith is the object of the faith that you have and the object of your faith should be God faith requires knowing the object you have faith in the more you know the object of your faith the The more you will believe in the object, and the more you believe in the object, the more you will function like you have real faith, which is belief in the God of your faith. Help me, Holy Ghost. Hebrews 11 and 6 declares but without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him consider if you will two men who want to go out on a frozen lake to fish one man has not done this before but he is told to go ahead and cross over the lake he is a assured by his companion that the ice will hold him up yet when he begins to step out on the ice he cautiously takes precautionary step after precautionary step until his fear of falling through the ice takes hold this causes this man to return to where he was or just freezes him in place without movement for fear of what might happen if he takes another step, but the other man walks out courageously and boldly, cuts a hole in the ice, and sits down and begins to fish. This man has had an experience with the ice. This man knows what the ice is capable of doing, and knows what he is capable of doing on the ice. Too many of us have. The the spirit of the first man, because we don't have an experience with the God of all gods, with the Lord of all Lords, with the King of all kings. Let me ask you three questions. What supported the man sitting out on the ice? Was it his faith? in the ice or was it the ice the object of his faith who had the strongest faith in this story i have told you what made the difference between the faith demonstrated by each one one thing one man knew the ice the other man did not know the ice You have to understand, if you don't take time to know God, you're going to continue to behave like one that only has a cursory knowledge or a limited knowledge of the God you say you know and you are in relationship with. God can't shock me because I've already accepted that he can do more than I could ever ask him to do anyway. I'm not shocked by the working of miracles. The problem that many of us have is where miracles aren't working because you'd be shocked if the miracle came and God don't want to shock you. He wants you to just know with an expectation that the very thing I've declared is going to come to pass. The second fact that you have to understand about faith is the purpose of faith you see the purpose of faith is to remove mountains jesus says have faith in god and then jesus says say unto this mountain be thou removed we have to understand what jesus is saying here what are mountains is this a literal or a figurative statement or maybe it's both mountains represent immovable things They represent the seemingly impossible. It is something almost too steep to climb, almost too high to cross, almost too awesome to see beyond. This is the reason that Jesus discusses prayer in communion with faith. You will learn to have faith in God as you pray and commune with God, the object of your faith. The more you pray and build a relationship with the object of your faith, faith the more you will know God and the more you know God the more you will experience faith in God and experience the removal of mountains that slow your progress through life the God I serve is an obstacle remover I don't have to go around the mountain when I come to the mountain I go through the mountain because the mountain gets out my way just like Israel came to the riverside and Moses stuck his staff in the water they didn't need a boat they didn't need carpet but they walked across as the waters parted because the object of their faith has power over all creation oh help me Holy Ghost The last thing you need to note about faith and on my way to my seat is that you have to possess faith. There is a way to possess faith and the way to possess faith is prayer. This is what Jesus explicitly says. Whosoever shall not doubt but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. There are two fundamental points in this promise of Jesus to mankind. Not doubting at all. This means never having a thought where a thing can be done or can't be done. It means not hesitating, not wondering, not questioning, not considering, not pondering, not being concerned at all. Realistically, only God himself can know if a thing will happen or not happen. Know so perfectly that no wondering thought would ever cross his mind. What Christ is after is that we grow in belief and trust in him that our minds no longer wander. He wants us to believe that all things are possible through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. That's why Paul declares in Philippians 4 and 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can walk amongst the sick and not be infected. But I can infect the sick with the power that is working on the inside of me. Why? Because believing in God's authority is what's demonstrated in his promise. Look at the words shall say. The power of Christ came from the authority of God. All he had to do was say, that is, speak the word, and it was done. That's the very point that Jesus is making to us. If we believe without doubt, then we stand in the authority of God. We may now speak the word, and it shall be done. Because the object of our faith cannot fail. And the last fact to note about faith is the result of faith. A man who prays having faith, having faith in the object of the faith, which is God, has whatsoever he saith. The mountains which confront him will be removed effectively and quickly. If you have faith in God, you can operate without fear. Matthew 21 and 22, and all things, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. There's no possibility. There's no plausibility. There's no maybe, maybe not. It is a definitive statement. All things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing. It doesn't say you shall maybe receive it. He makes a definitive declarative, no room for wavering statement that you shall have what you believe. Some of you believe You're going to get sick, so you have what you believe. You have what you believe. Mark 9 and 23, Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. You can't have anything lest you believe it. Let me just close with this one text. So much more I want to say about the condition of prayer because the condition of prayer is your expectancy. You're pregnant. Your expectancy has a date on it. So doctors expect that what you're carrying will be birthed in this particular time period that they have put your expectancy date. In other words, they expect what's in you to come out of you in this season. Your expectancy is that this thing just get over. That's why the doctor's expectancy date doesn't always match the birth date. Sometimes the baby come before Sometime the baby come after Because at some point the mother says I am tired of this thing being in me John 14 12 and 14 says verily verily I say unto you he that believeth on me the works that I do shall he do also And greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my father and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name. That will I do that the father may be glorified in the son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. So my expectancy when I speak to God, who is the object of my faith, is the very thing I'm talking to God about is going to come to pass as a matter of fact. Uh, my expectancy that is before I've asked it, uh, it is already being done. But the very thing that you expect can only come if you believe. You have to have confidence and assurance. You must anticipate and look for the answer. The exact words of Jesus' promise are interesting because glancing at the verse, expectancy involves all of man's being. The spirit of of expectancy involves your emotional state of being, your desires. The will or the volition of man is what man is asking for, and it involves the spirit of man, which drives you to your belief. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us and if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him but let him ask in faith nothing wavering for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed and it shall come to pass that before they call i will answer and while they are yet speaking i will hear This is the word of God. I don't have to be. Concerned. About the condition. Of the world. Because I'm covered. By the blood. Of the lamb of God. And my God is able to keep me from falling. My God is able to keep me from succumbing to sickness. My God is able to keep me alive by the working of his power in me. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Child of God, the object of your faith is where your power rests. If you have no power, you might want to check the object of your faith. God bless you all.